Some positive news today. Cancer deaths have fallen 33% since 1991, according to the American Cancer Society. That's thanks to better screening, treatment, and lower rates of smoking. This is Pulse Check. I'm Ruth Reeder. President Biden is pleading with seniors to get booster shots, but they're not listening. Thousands of seniors have landed in the hospital with COVID-19 since the holidays, despite the widespread availability of a vaccine designed to prevent exactly that. Fewer than 40 percent of people over 65 have gotten the latest booster shot. The White House is coordinating efforts to disseminate vaccines through hospitals, nursing homes and advocacy organizations. Meanwhile, in New York, over 7,000 nurses reached contract agreements to improve staffing and pay at Mount Sinai Hospital and Montefiore Medical Center following a three-day strike. The strikes took place as health systems across the country are suffering a nursing shortage. And the possible end of COVID public health emergency could limit access to controlled substances prescribed via telemedicine. Ben Leonard is here to break down the ramifications. Hey, Ben. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So we've been living in a public health emergency for three years and maybe more. (laughs) And now legislators and the president are trying to figure out how to lift restrictions related to the pandemic and all these sort of accommodations that have been made to make public health easier during this time. Um, Can you lay out for us the state of the public health emergency now and what could potentially happen in the not too distant future? Yeah. So the Biden administration is looking at sort of rolling back this public health emergency that's been in place. They've renewed it 11 times already. It has to be renewed every 90 days. And it it kept in place a a lot of policies like expanded telehealth access meant to curb the spread of the virus, more data collection authorities, things like that. And Congress has ended up actually extending a lot of these things through 2024, telehealth, hospital at home, things like that. But the one thing that Congress hasn't touched yet is virtual prescribing of controlled substances. That's kind of where advocates are really focusing their energy right now is trying to find some way to continue that. So let's talk a little bit about the prescribing of controlled substances, because that's a little complicated. And it sounds like a little more complicated than some of the others, like, you know, extending telehealth coverage, for example. So during the pandemic, prescribers have been able to, or doctors have been able to prescribe controlled substances like Adderall for ADHD or buprenorphine, which is a treatment for people with opioid use disorder. And they've been able to do those things online, which typically you can't do. And that's been really helpful for people suffering from opioid use disorder and other kinds of ailments where it's kind of typically a little harder to get a hold of their prescriptions. So can you tell me how the DEA plays into this whole thing and why rolling back the public health emergency will complicate people's ability to sort of get these kinds of prescriptions online? So to dig into this, we have to go back a little bit further to 2008, actually, when the Ryan Hate Act was passed. This is a law that was trying to curb some of these rogue online pharmacies that had popped up. So they tried to make it more difficult to prescribe online. Buried in that law is a provision that calls on the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, to create this sort of special registration process that allows providers to prescribe controlled substances. This would include buprenorphine, testosterone, plenty of mental health drugs, virtually via telemedicine. And now, what is it, 2023, that process is still happening. It is not, the rule has not come out yet. Other agencies like SAMHSA have 
made efforts to do this, but ultimately this all comes down to DEA. They have the authority here to issue this rule. Right now, the Biden administration and its agenda said that the DEA is scheduled to have a couple regulations meant to ease access to controlled substances prescribing via telemedicine this month. But the DEA has missed several deadlines before, including 2018, 2019 deadlines from Congress. And this comes after they pledged to create this registration process in 2009. So it's been a long time coming. And the path forward is sort of unclear as the public health emergency winds down. Advocates worry that there could be sort of a gap in care for people seeking substance use treatment or mental health um, treatment. You know, it's a, a problem that's only both are problems that are getting worse and are often intertwined. Do we have any sense of why it's taken them so long to put together this registration or sort of the parameters for how one can register to prescribe controlled substances online? So the DEA has uh, repeatedly declined to comment on this process. But um, I think what we can gather is they're a law enforcement agency, first and foremost. So their goal is to try to restrict the use of, you know, of drugs that could be misused or I'll rephrase that. Their goal is to try to prevent the misuse of drugs. You know, and these drugs do have some risk of abuse. Buprenorphine itself is an opioid. So they're trying to curb misuse and they may be concerned that, you know, buprenorphine could be misused, kind of open the floodgates and some people might think telemedicine that would make it easier to access. So I think that is sort of the perspective there. Right. The DEA is a law enforcement agency. And what's interesting is that at the same time that these rules have been relaxed during the pandemic, we've also seen some cases of abuse, potentially. The DEA is investigating at least two companies that I'm aware of, at least, uh, for potentially overprescribing. Can you talk a little bit about those and how that plays into their decision as well? Yeah, so the DEA has been, you know, investigating these two companies done in Cerebral that prescribed ADHD medication, particularly Adderall, and there have been allegations of overprescribing. Both companies have denied wrongdoing, but the DEA, they allege that the retail pharmacy for Cerebral gave out controlled substances without kind of a, medical, a legit medical purpose. This is a legal mechanism that could eventually strip them of their controlled substance license. So there's been a lot of scrutiny on these two companies. It's unclear, you know, how widespread this is, though. You know, advocates will say that telehealth fraud is pretty rare. There was a HHS Inspector General report that came out that found that in the first year of the pandemic, about 0.2% of Medicare telehealth claims during the first year of the pandemic were a higher risk of waste, fraud, and abuse. So it's unclear how much overprescribing there really is and how much, you know, sort of waste, fraud, and abuse is there is. There isn't super clear-cut evidence, but that is one data point that we do have. But it sounds like, regardless of how the DEA feels about this issue, you know, they do have a deadline that they ultimately have to meet. Is that right? The thing is, there is no real hard deadline here. There aren't necessarily consequences if they didn't meet the 2018 or 2019 deadlines. Hypothetically, they could just wait in perpetuity. I read the text of the Ryan Haidt Act today, actually, and it just says that the attorney general shall create the special registration process for telemedicine. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like there are consequences specifically for the DEA other than, you know, public pressure. And, you know, there's been a lot of lobbying on this and um, concern from patient advocacy groups that, you know, if they don't take action, there could be a gap in care. And it could really worsen this opioid crisis that we're facing as a country right now. You know, public health experts fear that this could be a, a loss tool to help treat people that need care. I know you said in your article that, you know, Congress has really exercised all the levers that it can to sort of get 
the DEA to sort of move this process along. I'm curious if you think we'll see any other action from Congress if the public health emergency ends in April. So I think we could definitely see some more pressure from lawmakers, and they could they could try to draft legislation. But ultimately, even if they did, um, it, it would likely still come down to the DEA and their rulemaking process. So this is really what it all comes down to here. Fascinating topic. Thanks so much for coming by and chatting with me. Thanks so much for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of Audio at Politico. I'm Ruth Reeder. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting, Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.